Who wants, I'll tell you, who wants a pot of coffee? I just make coffee. You want a cup of coffee? Sure, there you go. Who wants coffee? Anybody else want coffee? Who wants coffee? And now, it's time for the man with the caffeine. The new tropics for the brain. It's Coffee with Mike. Hang in, hang tight, grab your cup, and let's get this thing started. Welcome back to Java Chat. This is Coffee with Mike hanging out with my guest here, who I got to tell you guys, I was floored when I found a video of him. And it, it's funny, when I first saw the video, I was like, not only does he get it, you look at his face and you look at his passion when he's talking about it. This isn't just a get it kind of person. This is a live it kind of person. I need to talk to him because I want his perspective on this whole subject of gratitude. So I have for you guys a, a coach, a mentor, a couple times millionaire, David Meltzer. Thanks so much for coming on Java Chat and hanging out with us. We really appreciate you. Thank you for acknowledging that, you know, acquiring the knowledge for other people. And I think the only component that you missed there is not only, you know, am I a livid person, but I'm also a give it person. So I think the third component. We're, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that. I'm yeah. sure you will. Yeah, we're going to get into that. It, I, I like to save a little bit of the, the extra <laughs> icing on the cake for, for the back end of things. It's all good. You got plenty um, of icing. Oh, oh it's yeah. tons of icing. After everything I've been reading about you and digging in, brother, you got, you got so much to share. 45 minutes is not going to be enough. But I, I'd like you to share like the beginning story because you ran through, I've been there and then all of a sudden what happened and then figuring it out. So if you would just kind of share how, how that all came about your, 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 your story, your journey. Uh, so my story started, in, it was with my relationship with money. You can see behind me, my studio screen, money doesn't buy happiness. And the reason I remind myself of that is that I grew up thinking that it did not because I wasn't happy. It, it just the opposite, actually. I grew up with a single mom, five siblings, four boys and a girl and me. And so, but we, you know, my dad left when I was five. My mom was a second grade teacher. And, you know, in the seventies, nothing has changed. They weren't overpaying second grade teachers in the seventies. No, job, no, doubt, no <laughs> doubt. So we were uh, packing our dinner in a station wagon and filling up turnstiles at convenience stores with greeting cards so we could eat. Yeah. But I was super happy. My mom was your typical empowering mother. You know, the fetus wasn't fully developed till after graduate school. My siblings all went to the Ivy Leagues. If I probably heard this a million times, doctor, lawyer, failure. You know, this was ingrained in me. <laughs> yep. But I, the nice thing for me, unlike my siblings, is I wanted <clears> to buy my mom a house and a car. I'd lived in a two-bedroom apartment with six kids. And the only time I wasn't happy was I'd catch my mom crying because of financial stress, yeah, card breakdown, yeah. couldn't afford rent, food, food, like what? I, and she was just distraught. And in my five-year-old mind, six-year-old mind, seven-year-old mind, I'm like, I'm going to have happiness in my life, make my mom happy. All she does for me, I still get. I'm 52 years old. I get choked up thinking about what she did for me. So I was driven. And what happened is, I focused on money, which was a, a, as a young man, a huge advantage over my siblings yeah, because yeah. they were doing what everyone thought they were supposed to do. They were voting for what the family had always voted for. In fact, if I would have grown up summa cum laude from Harvard, I wouldn't even bat in an eye other than, hey, congratulations, you're one of many in my family. Mm. But for to play college football, I was a legend, right? I mean, I'm yeah. going ever play high school football, let alone college football in my family. We're a bunch of dwarfs, you know, literally five feet, nothing. And anyway, you know, Rudy, me, then. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for, for me though, I just wanted to be rich. So I was always looking at how could I develop more skills, uh -huh. more knowledge of not only what I needed to know, mm -hmm. but who I needed to know in order to effectuate making a lot of money. Right. And that allowed me to always pursue other options while my siblings were, you know, well-trained doctors, well-trained lawyers, well-trained, mm -hmm. you know, Wharton, Harvard, Penn, Columbia, they're all over it. Well, what happened was I wanted to be a doctor to make money. And then I found out doctors had to be in hospitals. So I got my best piece of advice, be more interested than interesting. When I told my brother, I hate hospitals. But moreover, <laughs> I graduate law school and I get a great job being an oil and gas litigator, six figure job Ooh. out of law school. Piece of advice for everyone, by the way, I got offered $150,000 right out of law school in 1992. Wow. That's a lot of money. That's but a lot of money. But because I was always looking at money, I was interviewing for all kinds of different jobs still. Mm -hmm. yeah. And two... One thing I learned about the law, you know, these poor young law students and business students, they get offered these salaries, but what you really got is three jobs that pay $50,000 each. So as an entrepreneur, I'm thinking I can do a lot more with my three jobs in 50K each. So I took a sales job in the internet in 92. Now, my favorite story about the internet is when I told my mom that I was not going to, you know, litigate oil and gas and be a real lawyer. Oh boy, here she it comes. Freaked out. Yeah, she's like, internet's, <laughs> internet's going to be a fad. Yep. What are you doing? This thing's not yep. going to you're going to lose everything. Why would you go to law school and take 100,000 in loans and you need to be a real take the bar. I actually took the bar just to appease my mom. Uh -huh. uh, you know, in it is a backup in case I couldn't sell. But 9 months out of law school, I was a millionaire. I bought my mom a house and a car. The good news is I was super happy and my mom was super happy. Uh -huh. The bad news was that created a long journey of reaffirming that money does buy happiness. And so I went from a world of not enough where uh -huh. I was a victim, always uh -huh. asking, why me? Why can't I? Why, why? Mm -hmm. To this world now of just enough for mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. So I was buying things to make me happy. Right. I was buying more things to make me happy. I was buying different things to make me happy. I was buying things to impress people. I was buying things I didn't need to impress people I didn't even like. Yeah. And right. this, everything I did, I, we sold uh, the first company I worked for, we sold it for $3.4 billion in 1995. Wow. Took me up to the Silicon wow. Valley. I rebranded myself, not as a lawyer, but simply as an internet guru. I raised hundreds of million dollars in the middleware space, transcoding the internet to nice. wrap phones. Yep. By 30, everything in my life, this is the best, everything in my life reaffirmed money buys love and happiness. I married my dream girl from the fourth grade who hated me in the sixth grade and said, you know, no, I threw an egg at her at sixth grade camp because she looked oh, at um, but, but all like all the little things in my life, I was running the world's first smartphone division, the world's first Windows device for Microsoft, the world's first Samsung smartphone. It was so long ago in 1999, they didn't have the word smartphone. You know what they call yeah. them? Convergence devices. It really? The phone and a PC. In fact, the name of the, the phone was PC-ePhone. That was actually the name of the phone. Google it, PC ePhone. I remember was, hearing that because I've had cell phones since the freaking block, if you remember that one. Yeah, yeah, so. of course, I know them all. Yeah. <laughs> and I worked in telecom, Brick, so we Brick had to carry them with us. The, the bricks, the blocks, and the brat, the bag. <laughs> the, right? Yeah, the, yeah, the bag. The phone, oh the my gosh. And all those. Oh my yeah, gosh. So, I didn't know Kia's. Um, anyway, so <laughs> here I am at 30, every reason to be happy. Uh huh. You know, and living in an unbelievable dream house of mine. And I get this birthday present. Mm -hmm. I get a birthday present from my dad 
who left when I was five. Oh, wow. But I, I, he was my hero till he was 10. I, I must have drove my mom insane. This is what a saint my mom is. You want to know why this 50-year-old guy's crying when he talks about his mom? Because I have so much Jewish guilt that I sat in the back of that station wagon. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Think about this. I'm in the back of the station wagon in the 70s asking my mom, who's working two jobs, raising six kids and getting no child support right. from my dad, who has money and married a girl closer to my age than his, racing Eesh. horses, doing all kinds of shit. And I'm in the back car of the car going, mom, why can't you be more like dad? And she never says anything. Oh, so wow. 10 years old though, she said something because my dad forgot my birthday at 10. Mm -hmm. And she didn't say anything at first. She stuck up for him. But when I called him to ask dad, how could you forget my birthday? I was crushed. My yeah. hero forgot my birthday. Yeah. He said, I didn't forget your birthday. I don't believe in birthdays. Now, that was the worst thing he's ever said to me because at that moment, I realized what my dad was. He was a liar. He was mm -hmm. a cheater, a manipulator, overseller, backend seller. I realized at that time how unbelievably lucky I was. I had my mom and I didn't have my dad. Yeah. And so, but at 30 years old, I'm on top of the world. I get a present from my dad after 20 years. Beautiful sport coat. I open it up. I put it on. It fits perfectly. I start to cry. My wife's like, why are you crying? I go... I think my dad finally gets it. He took the time. He asked someone what my sizes were. I open it up to see if it's Armani or especially made for David Meltzer's 30th birthday, something inside yeah, yeah. and torn out all the pockets. I immediately go from happiness to rage. I call him up. I said, dad, why are you punishing me? He's like, what are you talking about? I said, it's my birth. I know I sent you a jacket. I know, but I can't wear the jacket. He said, the jacket's not for wearing. I was like, what do you huh? mean? Wait, what? Like, what do you mean? He goes, it's to remind you that you're just like me. And I said, Dad, I'm nothing like you. You're a liar, a cheater, manipulator, overseller, back-end seller. I'm nothing like you. You said, son, you're just like me. You think money buys happiness and love? It doesn't. Oh, you boy. can't take anything with oh, you when you're gone. Go take that jacket, <clears throat> hang it in your closet, mm -hmm. save it for the day you die to remind yourself you're not going to be the richest man in the cemetery, that you're here to do so much more. You're not going to take anything with you, son. Please learn this lesson. I wish at 30 years old in the ego-driven space that I was, mm -hmm. I was the Midas of all Midases. Mm -hmm. I had mm -hmm. bought into my own BS. Yeah. I was living in a world of for me, just enough for me, and I hung up on him. Oh my and gosh. I, six years later, something would change. Six years later, I'm now running the most notable sports agency in the world, Lee Steinberg Sports Entertainment. Most people know Lee from the movie Jerry Maguire. Yep. Warren Moon, the Hall of Fame quarterback, yep. was yep. a partner. We had $2 billion in management. Well, anyway, I go take my best friend Rob golfing. My friend Rob, I've known him so long. He was actually the boy who, as a favor to me, asked my wife to go steady with me at sixth grade camp. Oh, that's like, cool. He's the one that embarrassed me and yelled out, dude, she said no. So that's why I threw the egg at her. So anyway, uh, Rob and I had known each other a long time. He's a real friend. Awesome. And anyway, I took him golfing to invite him to the Masters, the uh -huh. number one bucket list sporting yeah. event in the world. Absolutely. And I go to the Masters unlike anyone else. I owned a couple places at the Masters. Curtis Strange would invite me to his cabins in the back. I would go into all the fancy jet parties. And right, so I, right. I was telling Rob, you got to come. He said, yeah. Dave, not a chance. I was taken back. I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, I don't like who you hang out with and I don't like what you're doing. I said, oh. come on, Rob. I'm not doing what those other guys are doing. Come on. He looked at me and he said, David, you can lie to me, but don't lie to yourself. You're going in the wrong direction, pal. I don't want to be around it. 
And I left crying to that. Two weeks later, my life would change forever. I asked my wife to go to the Grammy Awards. She said, no, you're not paying attention to work. You're not paying attention to your family. You need to stay home. No more partying. And oh, wow. I lied to her and changed clothes in the car. I went to the Grammy Awards with Little John the Rapper, came <laughs> home 5.30 in the morning, wasted out of my mind, oh, no. and she was waiting for me. And she caught me at the door and said, you know what? I'm not happy. I'm not happy, and you better take stock in who you are or what you to be, or want to become, or I'm leaving, and you may actually be dead. I don't want to be around. I, I wish I would have told you I was ready to hear that. I wasn't. I yelled at her. I said, how dare you? Look around you. Are you kidding me? Who do you think you're talking to? All these great ego-based emotions. And I went to bed and I woke up in the morning in the same space and mindset. And I was ready to call my friends the lawyer because I was going to take her love and happiness. I was going to take her money. And sure enough, like the natural, if you ever saw the movie with Robert Redford, the Wonder Boy bat, yep. there was... There was that jacket yep. sitting in the closet, man. The lights just hit that jacket. And at that moment, my life would change forever because I looked at it and I said to myself, holy shit, I don't hate my father. Yeah. I hate myself. I'm a liar. I'm a cheater. I'm a manipulator, an overseller, and a back-end seller. I'm the one. And I'm going to blow this and I better take stock in who I was. And if that's the day I've been on a journey, practicing five daily practices with four values, writing books, speaking on a mission to empower over a billion people since that day for 15 years, getting better at it and better at it. I'm not perfect. I've taken it from years to months to weeks to days to hours to minutes to moments. Yeah. But I still have ego involved there and I'm still practicing. But more importantly, I'm trying to plant seeds under trees, even trees that I may never sit under. And it's such a pleasure to be here to tell that part of my journey and to discuss how I move forward to recreate everything for myself. The one part of the story I left out, two years after I hit rock bottom with my wife, uh -huh. I lost everything. Over $100 million on paper, I lost wow. everything. So I'm one of the few people that bottomed out two years before I lost everything, but I was more prepared to lose everything because of it. <laughs> That's in Okay, so although you guys probably can't see it on the camera and I didn't sniff loudly, there were two parts of his story that had me about in tears too. And there's, there's a lot behind, God, I wish we had time to go through every, cause I, I've, I've picked up at least 16 different things on, on what you just said that were just, yep, yep, yep. I get it. Um, dead serious. That's the kind of, that's the kind of story that inspires because how many people do we know that are actually going through that right now that think they're, that think they're alone and they're not. They, everybody goes through this. We're all going through some kind of crap in our lives and, and ego is the first thing to show up and go, eh. and of course we have to, we have to call it as fast as we can and, and kick it in the ass and go, I don't think you understand. You're not a part of this. Sit down. How you've overcome that is what we're going to talk about next and what inspires you in getting into those values and getting into that. Um, we're going to take a 30-second break, guys. We'll be right back, and it's going to be time to dig in. So get ready. Here we come, all right? Back in 30 seconds. And we're back here, Java Chat, with David Meltzer. And we just got through talking about a major history story. I, I love those, obviously, because they're just they, – they're, they're very telling. They're very revealing. And they set up one hell of a comeback. And what Dave's come up with in the midst of his comeback is – What's the five steps and four values? Did I say that correctly? 
five daily practices. Five daily practices. Carried by four, four, four values that I learned that day that I wrote down four values that I was going to take stock in for the rest of my life. So that's what got me with you first was one of those four values. So why don't we run through those? Because I got to tell you, I'm, I still, I still have to catch myself on the daily to remember the one that I caught you on, which is gratitude. And that's yeah. a huge thing. I mean, it really is. Give us your, like, run through them. Go, go yeah, for it. So, so the four, just to start, are gratitude, which gives you perspective, forgiveness or empathy, which gives you peace, allows you to be at neutral, yep. to think through yourself for others in an abundant world, not for you or to you. Yep. Then accountability gives you control, which is really important today with excessive change and accelerated yeah. change. To have control of your mindset, your heart set, and your conscious competencies. And then finally, effective communication, which is the duality that creates inspiration. The duality of, of effective communication is most people think of it is we're communicating with other people. But for me, the duality is we need to connect to what light, love, and lessons first, the powerful source. Agreed. that we're all connected to Agreed. then allow it to come through us with appreciation forgiveness and accountability through us for others i changed that paradigm from money doesn't buy love to money allows me to shop as long as i shop for the right things to come through me for others i don't live in a world of not enough where i'm a victim anymore right. i don't live in a world of for me where i'm buying things i don't need to impress people i don't like i live in an abundant world between limitlessness and infinity abundant world with gratitude empathy accountability and inspiration of more than enough of everything for everyone money to me is just an object of energy that you put into the flow that's the definition of a currency and so is faith yeah. Faith and money are blended in my life. Yeah. Faith is a currency. It's an object of energy I put into the flow to get what I want as well. That's that last statement. I completely am with you on. They they do inter they do intersect hugely, and I I think and and when people say faith, sometimes they they misunderstand. We're not talking about religion, right? We're talking about faith, understanding that there's something greater than what we are. And that there's another there's another element at play here. We don't always get to see it, but boy, when it shows up, it shows up in mass, doesn't it? Yeah, and you can apply your own religion to your faith. So yeah. I speak as faith with no judgment conditions or definition of what your faith is. But I want everyone to have faith and hope that there's bigger, better, and expansive infinity out there for all of us to pursue. I think a lot of people forget too that faith in its in its simple definition is just believing something that's not there. There's no evidence of it being present physically. That doesn't mean it's not there. It doesn't mean it's not happening. There's so many things that happen in the background that we never see. And then when something works out, we go, whoa, that's coincidence. No, that's not coincidence. I, that's, that's faith. I mean, yeah. if, you really, if you really want it. We'll see. We'll see is faith. We'll see. We'll see. Definitely. Not I see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. No, we'll I, see. Yeah. We don't, we don't know when, but we will see. So the, the video that I caught, and this is, and this is the one that I want to go digging in on because it's where I found you, is this video. You were sitting down. It looked like it was outside someplace, and you were talking about everything that you've seen it with regards to success always begins with gratitude. That was, that was the statement that caught me, and I couldn't agree with you more. I would love for you to reiterate that perspective here and how that leads into the next value. Well, gratitude itself gives you perspective. So it allows you to find the light, the love, and the lessons and everything. One thing I learned from being around the greatest celebrities, athletes, entertainers, media, uh, in millionaires, billionaires, et cetera, mm -hmm. entrepreneurs, is that their life sucks just as much as mine and yours. Mm -hmm. And that if we have the ability through gratitude, through the ability just to say thank you 
before we go to bed and when we wake up. Something that I learned when I was three years old has changed more lives and I get more comments and testimonials and people telling me how powerful gratitude is just as a reminder, a recollection in order to acknowledge, to acquire the knowledge of gratitude that we are capable in some sort of time frame of finding light, love, and lessons in everything, of learning to love everything, learning to love what we do, learning to love the activity we get paid for, activity we don't get paid for, learning to love sleep, learning to love all stems from gratitude. Here's the most interesting thing. I could tell everyone right now, you want to change your life, say thank you before you go to bed and when you wake up for 30 straight days. It will work within the context of the conscious continuum from your conscious to your subconscious to your unconscious competency, your DNA. It'll change you. Now, by tonight, half of you will forget to say thank you. By tomorrow morning, another half of you will forget to say thank you. Within three days, all of us will forget to say thank you. I've been teaching this for years. It took me nine months, even when I was on stages, until I could say thank you every single day, twice a day without forgetting. That's how far the ego tells us, oh no, you don't need to do this. Oh no, right? The primal fears and the secondary fears. Oh no, why, why would you believe that when you could believe what you're missing in your life? Why would you believe that yeah. when I can talk about the judgments, conditions, and attacks against you? Yeah. Why should you find the light, the love, and the lesson? You don't know your why. All the doubts and worries and guilt and resentment and offense that you take and being right and separate and fear superior. Why do that? Gratitude solves all that. I've studied physics, quantum physics, and metaphysics. Mm -hmm. I'm on the Transformational Leadership Council. That's right. Jack Canfield, Bob Proctor, yep. Deepak Chopra. All of us agree gratitude is the most powerful thing in the world, and yet we can't even say it, and we learned it in the third grade. So yeah. if I can express my inspiration to you to simply say thank you, to find the light, the love, and the lessons, I guarantee you your life will change for the better. We actually went through the uh, the Deepak Chopra's uh, foundation on their their twenty one days of gratitude challenge. Man, what a difference! I mean, and now, mind you, I do. But like you said, I think the intent behind it begins to wane because it becomes too much of a habit, and it becomes a habitual thing versus an actual appreciation. And when I went through that with with the the Deepak Chopra process in twenty one days, holy cow! Complete difference in perspective, complete shift in energy, complete shift in things that were going on. And thanks to you, you've reminded me that I need to do it again. So yeah. uh, <laughs> you talked about five daily practices. Did I say yeah. that right? Yeah. What are they and how so, are they backed up by the values? Yeah. So five daily practices are especially appointment now, important now because we are going through accelerated change. I think yes. we've experienced seven years of change in seven months in so many serious institutions. That, that is not have. a joke. Yeah. And so how, how do we take advantage of that? Because as everyone knows, historically, I'm a big student of uh, history because I believe human nature never changes. Right. So the more I study history, the more I understand human nature of how to apply the five daily practices to what, how I control over mm -hmm. history. Mm -hmm. We've been able to control th three things. My mindset. Yep. How do I contr control the way that, that I think? Mm -hmm. How do I control my heart set the way I feel? Mm -hmm. So I have control of that mm -hmm. and what I call the conscious continuum. How do I control the conscious, subconscious, and unconscious mind of what I think, say, do, believe, and my personality traits, characteristics, obsessions, and addictions that are inherent in my DNA? How do I control all, all of those? Because if I can control those, great change provides great opportunity. Because why? 
you can't find outside of you, no matter how much change is going on or how little change is going on, what you can't find inside of you. Right. And so when we have control of mindset, heart set in the conscious continuum, we have complete control of what's inside of us. And then we become 3D printers and we start printing out and materializing and forming what we believe and achieve and conceive. We're 3D printers when you <clears> do that <throat> approach. So these are five daily practices to smile through struggles, five daily practices to find the margins of millionaires, five daily practices to be controlled and happy in everything you do, regardless of what's happening outside of you, regardless of three things, which to me is the ego. Number one, regardless of your employment status today, don't worry about it. Regardless of what you have today, what you get, G. So E for employment status, G for what you got or what you get. And three, most importantly, what other people think. So our mindset has to be devoid or only spend minutes and moments in ego so that we can do these things. Number one, the daily practice of taking inventory of your values. Biggest problem with most people is not they don't know their why, it's they don't know their what. If you want to test it out after this interview, go ask someone, what do you want to do? 99% or more will tell you, I don't know. Ask them where they want to go. I don't know. Ask them what they want to order. I don't know. You, if you don't take inventory of your values every day, your personal values of who you are and your experiential values of what you want to experience in the day, your giving values, of how much service you want to provide, value, production, and most importantly, your receiving values. What do you want to get out of the day? And then not be afraid to be a hypocrite, meaning the one thing that we learn by fighting through these lessons, by knowing that pain is not a stop sign, mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, financial pain is a indicator a turn signal yep, that you have yep. a better place to go to get to a better position yep. or a better place in fact you want to get somewhere the best way to get there is ask someone that's already there for directions yep. people don't do that but you've got to know <clears throat> what you want to receive and you've got to realize that tomorrow i might know more so my values may change and that's okay and it's okay to tell our family friends and associates you know what i learned something i'm going to move to a better place not i was wrong i was there no no i learned something i'm moving to a better place and there's no failures or mistakes. There's just lessons. Yep. And the way that we can indicate that is pain. So take inventories or values. Don't be afraid of being a hypocrite, number one. Number two, this is the second rule of life that changes more lives than anybody else. Gratitude's number one. People cry to me how I changed their life because I told them to say thank you. And I'm like, well, I learned when I was three and so did you. But I just reminded you. That's what you meant. Thank you for reminding you. Yeah. This is another reminder. When I was three years old, I must've heard this a thousand times. You need to ask for what you want. Use big boy words, you gotta ask. <laughs> well, I will tell you nothing changed my life more, especially in my recovery over the last 15 years than radical humility. Not only asking how I could be of service or value, which is very important to ask, how can I be of service or value to you? But the bigger and more important question is do you know anyone that could help me? Because especially nowadays, in person, on the phone, via email and media, radio, print, TV, social media, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. instead of our friends, Mike, when we were growing up, you know, they would know like three people in their golf group or card group. or Pretty much. Group. Yeah. It's now, kind of you know, 10 year olds, 10 year olds have followings of thousands of people. So if you're not treating everyone in the universe as a sponsor or a power sponsor, not a gatekeeper and a mountain or a gate, yeah. you don't got to go around it, over it, through it. The key to getting right through it is simply to ask.
yeah. and treat everyone like a sponsor that are know someone that can help you or a power sponsor that they can help you and they know someone that can help you. So make sure you're asking and attracting using two series of questions, how you can be a service or value, or do they know anyone that can help you? The third one, my siblings all get crazy when I say this, because I think the third daily practice is the study. Okay. And they're like, Dave Meltzer, my brother, the anti-studier is telling everyone <laughs> to study, the guy who has a chip on his shoulder because Stanford rejected him twice for undergrad and law school. Dave Meltzer's a studier. I said, you're darn right, because studying to me is the mathematical equation of luck. Studying to me is what you pay attention to, focus in on, and what I give my intention to with my mindset, heart set, and conscious competencies of the continuum, they equal what? coincidences. They equal the coincidences that I want, not what other people want for me, not what I, I don't want for me. I, I hate people that are always talking about what's missing in their life because it drives me crazy because they're attracting what's missing in their lives. Yeah, exactly. They're actually putting forth the <laughs> yeah. law of Goya. Yeah. They're getting off their ass for the wrong reason for what <laughs> they're missing or what other people want for you. Vote for what you want. Attention plus intention equals coincidence. Yeah. The best thing I study every day is a non-negotiable is my calendar. I study what I have planned, what I don't have planned, the empty space, and my sleep. My tomorrow starts the day. I have an unwinding routine, which I consider a warm-up for the eight-hour workout I do every night, which is called sleep. And so when you start looking at sleep as the best way to heal the conscious continuum that we have, best way to put ego to sleep is to go to sleep. Yep. Uh, and we can get some great advancements to plateau and grow. You don't have to live the myth of Sisyphus. You don't have to push a boulder to the top of the hill every day just to have it roll down. You can plateau and grow, find your baseline, which will help you out with daily practice number five, by the way. So everyone has to be a student, mm -hmm. and especially of their calendar, their time, with lenses of productivity, how much value they're going to provide, accessibility, how accessible they are to others and how they're accessing what they want. And most importantly, as you know, gratitude, finding the light, the love, and the lessons in it. The, the biggest, yeah, it, it, it's nice how this is all just stacking like a nice little staircase. This is awesome. We're, we're going to take one more 30-second break. We're going to come back for the last section. We'll get step four and five, and then we're going to talk a little bit about your Fridays because you got something going on that I think would be super valuable to people. So, guys, we'll take another 30-second break, and we'll be right back. And we're back for the third and final section of Java Chat here with David Meltzer. Guys, so far, it's been nothing but kablam this whole way. And we're not even done. We've got two more of the daily practices. He just got through talking about taking inventory of values, asking for what you want. I guess I'm taking notes and studying, becoming a student and, and being open to learning. It, there's a lesson in freaking everything. I don't care what it is that you're dealing with. So it's all awesome, but there's two more. So what are the, what's number four and number five? Number four is quick and easy, but it's also one of my favorites. I'm not a big fan of statistics. Before I came up with this, I only knew one statistic to be true, and that's 99 of all, 99% of all statistics are made up. Yep. Um, but for, and and then, I, then I owned a golf course, and I realized that 100% of all short putts in golf don't go in. Oh, This one's way more powerful than both. 100%, okay. 100% guaranteed of all the things you do now get done. Now that may sound silly to you, but the difference between successful people and all others in the universe are successful people get things done. 
They keep growing, accelerating, and compounding the interests of their activities. They get stuff done. So ask yourself, can I do it now? Compare it to your values. If they're aligned and important, do them now. You'll save twice as much time, be statistically exponentially more successful. If you can't do it now, put it in your calendar, study it tomorrow. See if it's more aligned with your values tomorrow in importance, or maybe it's just urgent. Delegate it to someone if it's not important, but it's urgent. Mm -hmm. Roosevelt taught us that. So 100% of the things you do, do them now. Get done. Get done, exactly. The last one, most importantly. This applies to everything. This is where we started, Michael, you and I. It's the practice of ending fear. We talk about that ego. We talk about, you know, for me, number one, you need to identify what fear is. There's primal fears, feeding, flight, fight, and the other F word. Yep. Then there's secondary fears. These are the ones that ruin your top emotions, resources, and money. I've lost hundreds of millions of dollars because of the secondary ego, the secondary fear. What are they? The need to be right. Almost cost me my life. It's almost cost me my wife. It's definitely cost me millions needing to be right. The need to be offended. This is the one that I still fight the most because not only am I fighting my own need to be offended, but I'm fighting other people when I see them to have a need to be offended. I'm like, why would that offend them? You know, like it's such a way, it, it burns me inside. That That's one of those things to this day that I still don't understand. And I'm not sure where <clears throat> any anything on this planet went awry on that one. The need, because you, spe- you said it right, it's a need to be offended. Since when did we ever need to be offended? More than food. Like people need to be offended. Like you, you step outside with a need to be offended, it'll feed itself immediately. I wish people could do the same thing. With way food. worse, way worse. Yeah, right. Way worse than gratitude. I mean, gratitude gets like no respect. <laughs> I swear, <laughs> it, I, I swear it doesn't. I go outside, I look around, and I can see in people's faces they're hurting. And I look at them and I go, no gratitude, guaranteed. I guarantee you that's number one. For the ones that I do talk to, and it does come up eventually, I'm like, do you practice gratitude? They're like, oh, you know, I used to. No, 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 no. That opens up the need to be offended because now you're looking for an emotion and it's not going to be the one that serves. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm on the right track. Gold, you are right on the track. And that need for me is still that, you know, in these needs for me, I went from, they were yearly needs. Meaning yep. I, I couldn't stop them for years. I would be offended for years. I'd not talk to friends for years. And then it became months and then weeks and then days and then hours and now minutes and moments. I live ego-based conscious in just minutes and moments because I identify the need to be right, offended, separate, inferior, superior, anxious, frustrated, guilty, resentful. Yep. Uh, all of these different fears that I have, I've identified them, number one. Now, two, I'm a ferocious Buddha. What nice. does that mean? I I believe I am ferocious in the fact that I no longer resist it. I don't try to fight it. I don't try to go over it, under it, around it. I simply know the key. Mm. And the key is just stop. Yeah. Just stop. I I, I don't resist. I don't go in the wrong direction. Mm. I I don't waste energy. I stop. Number two, I drop by breathing over my eyes, out through my mouth. I call it the six breaths of Buddha. I drop down to central. To me, neutrality is the highest frequency I can have. Yeah. Which is Agreed. You know, Russell Wilson, Trevor Moad, yep. you know, all the great quarterbacks understand neutral. You'll see they don't get too excited. They don't get too down. Touchdown or interception doesn't matter. Yep. They're, they're at their highest frequency awareness. You can only be aware of that which vibrates equal to or less than you. Neutral is the way that we vibrate faster. So moreover, after we stop drop, now we can roll in the right directions 
in alignment with the values that we have. And so for me, you, when you're an ego-based consciousness, primary or secondary ego, employment, getting others, people think, edging goodness out of our lives, your ego's not your amigo. There's a million ego statements for you. You just remember this. When you're an ego-based consciousness, your mind, body, and soul are all on fire. Yeah. And everybody knows when you're on fire, if you, the minute you identify fire, the minute you see fire, that's step one. Now, what do you do? You stop, drop, and roll. Yep. That's, that's what you do. That's, that's gotta be, of course, you're taking us both back to elementary school with all of the, the firemen <laughs> that used to come over and teach us all that stuff. That in an, just, just that you guys, just from what you just heard, if that doesn't at least change for a moment, your moment that you're listening to this right now, please take inventory. I mean, seriously, stop for a second and please take inventory. What's going on in your head? You're listening to this and I'm, I'm sure it's making some people excited. I'm sure it's got a couple of listeners that are like, yeah, I'll get to it. No, stop for one moment. You just heard it. He lives from minute to minute, moment to moment. And it works really well. And of course, it's all the little things that build up to the big one. We've all heard that before. Stop for that moment. Take some inventory. Figure out what's really going on. Is it the ego? Is it the primary or secondary fears? Is it the things that are actually going to hold you back from getting to where you need to get to? And if, and if so, you might want to take a little bit of a step back and a reassessment. And I think there's also something else that Dave can probably offer you in, in the form of something that he does on Fridays. And I think they're called free training Fridays. Does that sound, does that sound right, David? That, that is what I've been doing over 20 years. Years. Dude, how many people have you served over 20 years? Come on. That's started, insane. started with a few people in a conference room every Friday to teach sales. That was nice. my free training. I, I thought sales, you know, over 20 years ago, I'd said, I'm going to help feed people because right. I'm going to teach them to sell. It's the greatest skill that I learned, you'll never starve. You don't usually need a license to sell. You know, you, oh, it's recession proof because there's always someone that's doing well that wants you to sell their stuff if you're good at it. Yep, absolutely. And, and they pay you the most. You get sales, the best salespeople get paid more than CEOs. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's a great skill. So I started there. It's moved though to over the last 15 years to empower people to be happy. Mm -hmm. And that's with both currencies. I teach that object of energy called money and the object of energy called faith. And I blend them sometimes. So for example, this Friday, it's seeking approval. I'm teaching about seeking approval and how in that spectrum, it'll affect your life both mm -hmm. monetarily mm -hmm. and inspirationally. So for me, every single Friday, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern time. Now, the cool thing is with you know, great change comes great opportunity. Yeah. I went from, you know, the community coming out and a couple hundred people. I pay for everything. So I would buy lunch for everyone. It was the most expensive business meeting that I had. Every week around, <laughs> and it was around the world. I didn't just do them in my office. Wow. I would do meetups around the world and buy lunches and have people come for free trainings. Well, with COVID, I now have over 20,000 people registered every Friday. And then the replays are featured on Spotify. There's a training playlist so my podcast, the playbook and the trainings are featured on Spotify, entrepreneur in every platform. So millions of people come to the trainings. Now I don't do, those aren't live, but not everybody can be there Friday at two, you know, 2 PM Eastern time. So I'm blessed in the, and here's some topics just to give you an idea. People ask sure. the perfect pitch. I have a mm -hmm. two minute drill pitch show. If you want to try out for that. 
please email me, david at dmeltzer.com. I have elevator pitch, another pitch show. I have the ultimate ego training. I have how to close a deal training. I have saying no training. I have so many different trainings, you know, seeking approval. Last week, what did I, I do something I can't remember last week. But anyway, it's all, it's all good. the lists are all there on Spotify. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. If I can just change one person to empower them, like you, Michael, to empower a thousand, to empower a thousand, right? A thousand times a thousand is a million, a million yep. times a thousand is a billion. Yep. That's how I'm gonna get there. I don't think I'm Jesus Christ. I don't think I'm Tony Robbins. I'm very mathematical in what I do. I do know that my values and daily practices, pragmatic things and faithful things that I can teach you will guarantee you happiness. And that's my objective. That in and of itself already is the go-giver attitude that I so enjoy. I, I, I don't know if you've read that book, but that's one of my big things. Ladies and gentlemen, for the time that we've had, our time has already run pretty much out. And I, I've only got about 60 seconds to go ahead and do the wrap-up. So here it comes, guys. You know how we like to end this. We love every single one of you. Thank you for coming and watching. I will need all of the, the links and everything, of course. Uh, we'll put your email and so on and so forth in the comments for YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, hit the bell. Don't hit the bell. You don't know when the next one is and you'll miss out on amazing people like this. Don't miss out. If you're listening on any of the uh, podcast platforms, thanks for listening. Make sure you download or subscribe there. We are also on Spotify, which is also cool. Never knew it was until I found out. And if you're listening on Anchor and you want to make a donation to support our little podcast, we really appreciate it. We thank you very much. It's a life that we live because we want to be intentional with what you do. Stay up, stay safe, stay healthy, and live. For David Meltzer and myself, ciao for now. For more information on Java Chat, visit www.javachatpodcast.com. You've been listening to Coffee with Mike on Java Chat. Tune in weekly to this podcast for the next episode. You can also download or subscribe today on your favorite podcast platform. A production of Oasis Media Group, LLC. Located in Las Vegas, Nevada. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved.